0: call to worship this morning. Inside your bulletin is the song worthy of worship, worthy of praise. We haven't sung this in a while, but we want to sing this as our call to worship this morning, recognizing our responsibility to give God worship that is his due. Will you stand with me and let us call one another to worship this Turning to number five, mighty God, while angels bless thee, may we mortals sing thy praise. Number five,
1: Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to meet here today, and may our time be beneficial, and may we have listening ears as the word is brought forth, and uh, may we be mindful of it as we walk out the doors and not forget about it as we go about our day-to-day things. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: trinity hymn book 233 233 rejoice all you believers and let your lights appear it's a hymn that speaks about the bridegroom coming that jesus christ is coming and we need to be ready for that reality i might just add your singing is good today i appreciate that i don't know what happened while i was gone but uh keep it up it's a delight to hear So 233, rejoice all ye believers.
1: Matthew 25. I'll be reading from the ESV. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. For to everyone who has who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. then he will answer them saying truly I say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life
0: this morning as once again we seek our God together in prayer we were Especially want to remember Pastor Bala in Auckland, New Zealand, at the Sovereign Grace Church. Not only his ministry there in Auckland, but as we read on Wednesday night, his ministry in so many other places where Tamil language is spoken. And we pray that God will continue to give him strength and help in the midst of seeking to minister to so many, even around the world. So let us seek our God together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we have heard your word read to us this morning, it is somewhat sobering to think that there are some who sit here even in this place this morning who are headed for an eternity of punishment, having not known Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And how thankful we are that many who sit here this morning have the encouragement and the confidence of eternal life because they do know the Son. And it is our prayer this morning that you would awaken many, not only here, but wherever your word is proclaimed, to see their need of a Savior, to see their need of being ready to meet Christ when He returns, and even this day turn away from their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we would pray that today would be a day of salvation for many around the world as your word goes forth. Father, we would pray for the church there in Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you for them and thank you for Pastor Bala. We thank you for those that you've recently brought, brought among them there in that church. And pray that in days to come, they would be even added to their number. Father, we would pray as well that you would be with Pastor Bala as he has the responsibility of shepherding that flock and yet has many other responsibilities as well. Give him the strength that he needs. Help him to guard his heart above everything else. Father, we pray your blessing upon his ministry, especially to many pastors as he, over the internet, seeks to give them counsel and to lead them in advanced pastoral training. We thank you for the word that some have taken heed and are seeing radical changes take place in their congregation as they seek to be more biblical with regard to their work and ministry. Father, we pray that as more advanced training courses will be coming up, that you would give our brother help as he instructs. And those who gather together to hear, may you, Father, use it for good in their lives, which would then be used for good in the lives of their congregations. So thank you for our partnership with the brethren. May you bless May You bless the Bible lamp, the magazine that goes out to so many people and use that even as a witness and an encouragement to those who read it. Father, we would also be mindful of those occasions to rejoice with those that rejoice. And we do rejoice with Dale and Rhonda in the birth of their grandson. Father, how we pray for Levi Douglas That, Father, He would know the Creator even in the days of His youth. That you would be with His parents, Aaron and Marie. Be with Dale and Rhonda and may they continue to put the Gospel before Him. May you be pleased to save Him at a young age and may He be an instrument of great delight to this family. But we know that there are some who are experiencing some difficulties and challenges. And we would pray for them as well. We would think of our sister Janet Brown and ask that You would be with her. We would ask that You would heal her so that her and Ken can get back to worshiping with us. In the meantime, we would ask that You give her the grace that she needs to glorify You even in the midst of suffering. Be with Ken as he ministers unto her during these days. We would think of Norma And pray, Father, that as she's in the hospital, that you would draw near to her. We thank you that she confesses Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And pray that is in reality the fact. We pray that you would be with Lisa and Wade as they minister to her. Grant them wisdom. We pray, Father, that you might be pleased to heal her. But as your will is done, may your name be glorified. We pray for little Sarah even as she waits and and loves her grandmother. Father, again, this would be a reminder to each one of us that we do not know what a day may bring forth and how important it is to be ready when that day comes, when you call us into your presence. So, Father, be with those. We think of Ben Tobar as well. We, We would ask that you would heal him, that he'd soon be able to get out of the hospital and be back home, May He know a complete healing of His body during these days. Be with Andy as she travels and meets up with Him and then as they come home. Father, again, we thank You that we know You love us and You care for us. And therefore, uh, Father, as we gather even in this place this morning to worship You, that truly You would be the focus of our attention. Help us to worship You aright and to delight in our great God as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now before we open the word of God, take your hymns of grace and turn to number 23. 23 in the hymns of grace. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. God of glory, Lord of love. Number 23 in the hymns of grace. Let's stand together. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. We'll be looking primarily at the first 14 verses of this chapter. Let me just read one verse to you to begin with, and that's verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 12. And verse 5. But you shall seek the Lord at the place which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes to establish His name there for His dwelling, and there you shall come. The first commandment of God, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, calls us to recognize that the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. It is the command that calls us to exclusive devotion to God. You might remember that very rarely did the children of Israel get rid of Yahweh. But what they often did was added other gods to their portfolio. They were not exclusive in their devotion to God. So God's commandment is, do not put any other gods before my face. Jerry Bridges in his practical godliness, the practice of godliness again says, Devotion to God consists of three essential elements the fear of God, the love of God, and a passion or desire for God. So that's the first commandment that we've been considering in, in great detail over the last several weeks. Well, this morning we come to a new section of Moses' message to the children of Israel. We note that because of the way chapter 12 begins. Notice what it says. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall carefully observe in the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess as long as you live here on earth. And with that, he begins a new section of Scripture that deals with the second commandment. This commandment, the second one, recognizes that He is God and that He is worthy to be worshipped, but that the worship of Yahweh is to be done Only as He reveals it is to be done. The second commandment is this. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the likeness of what is in the heaven above or the earth beneath or water under the earth. You shall not serve them or fear them. In this section, which is really primarily chapter 12, Moses opens up for us exactly what it looks like to worship God as we ought. And God is telling the children of Israel that they were not to determine how God was to be worshipped. They were not to determine how God was to be approached. But as they come together, and and the thing you'll see in this chapter over and over again are these words. You shall. You shall. And the you there is plural. So he's talking about the corporate body of the children of Israel. And when they come together to approach Jehovah, they're not to determine how they do that, but they are to be obedient to what God says. It is Yahweh who determines how He is to be worshipped. Yahweh is to be worshipped. And Moses is challenging The children of Israel, as you cross over the Jordan, as you enter into the land of Cana, worship God, but worship God as He directs. You are to worship Him. Remember in the, in the temptation of Christ, Jesus quotes, I believe it's Deuteronomy, when He says... You're to worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Worship is absolutely a priority of the believer's life. But you're to recognize that how you worship God, God is not indifferent to. How you worship God is something that really matters to God. And therefore, Moses is admonishing the children of Israel, worship God, but worship Him as you are directed. Don't use your imagination. Remember, it's, it's John Calvin who said something like, you know, the, the human heart is a workshop of idols or something like that. But I would say this, not only the human heart is a workshop of idols, but the human mind can be a workshop of idols. And we've got to be careful that we don't simply worship God according to our own imagination or according to our own thoughts. But worship God as He directs us. We need to worship God. Worshiping God corporately is vitally important. To miss the worship of God ought to be something that we have no way of, of getting to the worship of God because of providential hindrances. Worship of God is vital. The corporate worship of God is vital. The writer of Hebrews says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. We need to gather together and worship God. It's important, he says, that as we come together, two or three or however many, there am I in their midst. It's one of the the struggles of our culture today. we have live streaming. So now, you can stay home in your pajamas... And watch a worship service. I thank God for live streaming. There are some who are live streaming this morning out of necessity. They can't get here for one reason or another. But it ought to be our desire. So if you're watching by way of live stream, I'm I'm not condemning you. All right. Unless you're there because you're just too lazy to come here. But we ought to want to gather together with God's people and worship Him. It's one of the primary indications of an unbelieving heart when there is a refusal to worship the one true God. Remember in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21 for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and in the foolishness and, their, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They, they came up with their own imaginations how that God ought to be worshipped and what that looks like. You know, God wants us to approach Him. God wants us to honor and praise Him, to serve Him, to be obedient to Him, to enter into a relationship with Him. But He wants us, listen, He wants us to draw near to Him as He has instructed us. And so, as we come to these 13 verses, there are five principles that Moses sets before his hearers that should regulate their worship of Yahweh. Five principles that ought to regulate our worship of God. Now notice them with me. First of all, acceptable worship must be void of compromise with the world. Acceptable worship must be void of compromise with the world. Look at verse 2, 3 and 4. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations whom you dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and burn burn their asherims with fire. And you shall cut down the engraved images of their God and obliterate their names from that place. You shall not act like this towards the Lord your God. Moses is instructing the children of Israel, when you get into the promised land, your worship of Yahweh should be radically different From the world around you. When you get there, they will have their various gods. When you arrive there, they'll have their various places of worship. But notice what he says about these things. Notice the terminology he uses. You shall destroy all the places. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars you shall cut them down. I mean, that's radical language. In fact, there are some who may use a text of Scripture like this to say, oh yeah, there's your God. Listen to Him. He wants to destroy things. He he wants to tear them down. He he, he wants to obliterate them. What kind of God do you worship? You know the answer to that? Do, Do you know why God gives to us the second commandment. Do you remember why He tells us? Because He's a jealous God. He's a je- Let's go back over to chapter 5. To chapter 5. In verse 8. The second commandment. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath, Or in the waters under the earth, you shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children and on the third and fourth generation to those who hate me. I'm a jealous God. I demand your full allegiance your full devotion is to be upon me and when you worship other gods I am offended when when other gods come along so called gods and you're thinking to yourself I like this god better than the god better than Yahweh I like this God better than Jehovah. He, he's not as demanding and, and and there's certain things about him I like. God becomes jealous just like a husband whose wife begins to be attracted to other men. And the husband becomes jealous because she was committed to me. She was to be devoted to me. And God says. I become jealous when you begin to go after other gods. When you begin to have a worship of your own invention. Now let me say this. It is a righteous jealousy. It is a good jealousy that God has when you seek after other gods. But they were to abolish them, to destroy them, to tear them up. Matthew Henry says, They were to abolish, extinguish all those things that the Canaanites had served their idols and their gods with them. You shall utterly destroy them. You see, this physical act of destruction was a symbolic act of rejection. When they destroyed these places, if they would destroy these places, it was symbolic of rejecting those God. But God knew if they let them stand, what would happen? They would be tempted to worship them. They would be tempted to embrace them. And God did not want that. As Mr. Craig says in his commentary, the act of destruction not only removed any subsequent temptation for the Israelites to lapse into foreign forms of religion, but also obliterated their names from that place. That was only one. There, there is only one name on which the Israelites could call. And that's the name of Yahweh. So He says to them, I want, your, I want your worship to be radically different from those around you. Destroy their gods. Tear them down. And worship Me alone. Isn't that interesting? I mean, what do you think of when we think about how God called His people to have a... a, a, a a worship that was radically different from the world. And yet now in our day, it seems our culture is, as we gather together, we want a worship that is as close to the world as we can get it. We we, we seek to entice the world to come in and worship God with us by using their methods and their ideas. But God says No. The worship of God is not to be according to your imagination or what the world may find acceptable. It's to be according to my dictates. So there's number one. Acceptable worship must be void of compromise with the world. Number two. Acceptable worship must be focused on the proper object. Acceptable worship must be focused on the proper object. Notice what he says in verse 5. But you shall seek Yahweh at the place which the Lord or Yahweh your God will choose from all your tribes to establish His name there for His dwelling. And there you shall come and you shall... Bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your contributions of your hands, your votive offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and all and of your flock. To, when you gather together, the primary desire is to seek Yahweh. It's to focus upon God. As we gather to worship Him, it ought to be the focus of all of our attention is upon Him. And this is to be done in the place of His name. So God gave them these directions. Follow these directions as you approach me. Follow these directions as we build a relationship to one another. Here's what you're to bring. You're to to bring the burnt offering. The the burnt offering was the first offering. And it was an offering that was completely consumed. Nothing was left. The priest, you didn't feed the priest with it. It was an offering that was completely consumed. It, It was pointing to Jesus Christ who would take the full wrath of God for His people. And then they were to bring these these other offerings to God. And these other offerings pointed to the reality of, of, of having peace with God. Again, pointing to who? Who brings us peace with God? Jesus Christ. So all these things would, would point us to Christ. That's how we're to come. And even as we gather in this place... First of all, we need to know that that Jesus Christ is my... If you're going to worship God aright, then Jesus Christ must be your Lord and Savior. You must know your sins are forgiven through what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. You'll never worship God as He ought to be worshipped if you're still in your natural condition. God will find your worship unacceptable. Remember, He says your righteousness is as filthy rags. And therefore, we're to come to Him through the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's through the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ that, that we have peace with God. But it all focuses upon God Himself. The focus of our worship needs to be upon God. Look over to that familiar passage in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Jesus is here talking to the Samaritan woman. And most of you are familiar with that conversations that they have. And and they end up getting on the topic of worship. You worship here. We worship there. What does that all look like? And, And in the midst of that, Jesus says to her, verse 21, Woman, believe me, An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Who's the focus of our worship? It's God who is revealed as Father. That's what Jesus tells this woman. God is spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. They must approach the Father. And so the focus of our attention is to be upon God. It's, it's to be upon Yahweh as we gather together. And, ha- and how we ought to pray, Lord, anything, anything that distracts our focus away from God, we need to get rid of. Because He needs to be our focus. If you trace the subject of idolatry, it is when men thought about God becomes perverted. When their thoughts about God becomes perverted, then their worship of God is perverted. Idolatry begins in the mind, not in the workshop. It begins in the mind, not the workshop. It, it, idolatry does not begin by taking out a hammer and a saw and making a little god. It begins when we begin to have faulty thoughts about God and who God is. The proper object of our worship is to be Yahweh. He's the one who's identified as the true and the living God, and, and we must embrace Him as true worshipers. We get how many of us thought this morning, including the preacher, as we gather together, we're meeting with Almighty God. When I'm singing, I'm singing to all. Mighty God. When I'm praying, it's to God revealed His Father who loves and cares for me. When I hear His Word, it is God who is speaking to me. He is the true and the living God. And He's to be our focus. He's to be our focus. Look over to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. We're allowed to get a glimpse of heaven and what's going on in heaven. And verse 8 says, And the four living creatures... Each one of them having six wings are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, and the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, O Lord. And our God to receive glory and honor and power who created all things. And because of Your will, they exist and they were created. They're taken up with God. And they want to give Him praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving. And as we gather together corporally to worship him, we need to be a people that are that are taken up with God. Do do you know why so many churches bring in so many other things to aid, quote unquote, to aid the people of God to worship him as they ought? They do that because Coming to meet with God and being taken up with Him is not enough. It's not exciting enough. And therefore, they seek to manipulate you into certain feelings because God is not enough. Do you know why oftentimes people come and gather for church with a sense of dullness, with with a sense of apathy, indifference. It's because they are ignorant of who they're coming to meet with. It's, It's because God is not enough. But as believers, the thought of meeting with God in a special way as we gather together, ought to excite us. It ought to be something we look forward to. What are you doing this weekend? I'm going to meet with God. You're going to what? I'm going to meet with God. I can't wait till the Lord's Day. Because I'm going to gather with other believers and we're going to sing to God. We're going to pray to God. We're going to read His Word. We're going to meet with God. Does that excite us? I hope it does. I hope it does. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Bring those things which He's told you to bring and worship Him and adore Him. There there ought to be some enthusiasm about worshiping God. And I, I really don't care how melancholy, you know, you've heard that term, you know, remember those, remember years ago, was it Tim LaHaye or somebody had these character traits and you got this person who's melancholy, you know, nothing really ever excites him, he's just... This lives life every day. It's all right. You know, you got the, I forget who, the sanguines and so forth. You know, people that get excited about everything. They're always on a high. And the guy who's always he's looking at the, you know, what is wrong with him? And this person who's all excited. What is Listen, I, I don't care what your character trait is. To meet with God ought to excite your heart. And if it doesn't, God ought to bring about a concern. And so as you think of coming together and worshiping God on the Lord's Day, you, you need to pray for your pastor. And I trust you'll pray that your pastor will, will have something to say that will be edifying and helpful. But more important than that, you need to say, I'm going to go and meet with God. I, I'm going to worship Him. And family reunions and and just needing to get things done or just too tired is is no excuse from staying away to meeting with God, with His people on His day to focus, to give my attention to Almighty God. Now, is that too much? Well, some it may be. I I, I know all about, and I'm getting off topic, so I'm going to get myself in trouble, but... I know all about the Sabbath day controversies and everything like that. All right? And so whether you hold to a Christian Sabbath or you think it's abolished or whatever, you know, it, it is a Lord's Day. And I think as the people of God, to think about just a day to delight in God, to draw closer to Him, together with his people to be an encouragement one to another is not a bad thing i may be off base but but i don't think it's a bad thing call it what you want to seek the lord together with his people that's what jehovah that's what Yahweh wanted for His people as they were crossing the Jordan into the Promised Land. Be a people that delight in Me. I want, to, I want you to approach Me. I want us to have a wonderful relationship. I, I want us to enjoy each other. So don't, don't go following after other idols. Don't use your imagination as to as to how you approach me. But you approach me with the burnt offering for us, you approach me through the righteousness of my son Jesus Christ. You approach me with confidence. Bring these various offerings And approach me with a sense of peace. And for us, we gather and we worship God and we approach Him with confidence. God, meet with us. We're at peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we come boldly before His throne. Know God. And when you know God, you'll worship God aright. When you are ignorant of God, then your worship will not be well-pleasing to Him. No matter how many people you get in, no matter how many different things you do, if God is not your focused, you know, you ever hear anybody say this? I go to worship, but it doesn't meet my needs. It doesn't meet my needs. I must confess, in my study, I think about you, and I pray in the midst of my study, I I, I bring many of you to mind as I'm studying, how can this be helpful to them? But you know, at the end of the day, I'm not here to meet your needs. I'm here to point you to God and have you enter into a delightful relationship with Him, to enjoy Him. May God help us. But here we see the second principle of acceptable worship. Our focus needs to be upon Him and Him alone. Well, going back to Deuteronomy 12, we come to the third principle. And the third principle is this. And my time is getting away from me. (laughs) So we'll see if we get through all five. Number three, acceptable worship must not be about your personal likes. It's not about your personal likes. Verse seven, there also you and your household shall eat before the Lord your God and rejoice in all your undertakings in which the Lord Your God has blessed you. You shall not do at all what we are doing here today. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. For you have not yet come to a resting place, the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. When you cross the Jordan, and live in the land which the Lord your God is giving to you to inherit, and He gives you rest from your enemies around you so that you live in security, then it shall come about that the place in which the Lord your God will choose, the place which the Lord your God will choose. Sorry, somehow Sirius started talking to me so I lost my way. Um, for His name to dwell, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your contribution of your hand, and all your choice votive offerings, which you will vow to the Lord. Here he reminds us, when it comes to the worship of God, You're not simply to do that which you determine is right in your own eyes. When it comes to the worship of Yahweh, it is not something that you determine on your own. That's what God tells them. This is not to be an occasion in which every man does what he determines is right and the best way to worship God when they arrive in the land that God is giving to them, they were to go to the place that God will choose for His name to dwell. And there you shall bring all that God commands you. There will be a place that I will recognize. That is where you will gather and you will bring those things that I tell you to bring. Take heed that you do not bring or engage in other things than what I have directed you to do. Note, note especially uh, the warning that we find in verse thirteen. Be careful that you do not offer your burnt be careful that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every cultic place you see. Be, be careful that you just don't go off and decide what you think is best, what you think you ought to bring, where you think you ought to go. But do what God says to do. Be obedient to Him as you gather for your corporate worship. Now, here, here's the argument. You perhaps have heard men say something like this. Well, you know what? I worship God best when I'm in the little cabin out in the woods all by myself. That's where I worship God best. And there's nothing wrong with worshiping God in the little cabin in the woods. All right, Nothing wrong with individuals going out to a cabin and worshiping God. That's wonderful. But when it comes to the corporate gathering of God... That ought to be a priority. That ought to be of supreme importance, gathering with God's people as they assemble to meet. I'm amazed at at how lazy or indifferent we become to the corporate gathering of God's worship. I, I promise that where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And someone says, wait a minute, you're omnipresent, you're everywhere. What do you mean you're going to be with them? And I believe Christ is saying, I'm going to meet with you in a special way. A special way when God's people gather together to worship me. So yeah, go to the woods and worship God all you want. But make it your priority to worship God with His people. Do not forsake the assembling together as somehow. as some have. Acceptable worship is about what God requires. And your likes and your dislikes about approaching God is not a determining factor as how we approach God. That goes against the trend of our day, doesn't it? Studies have shown among baby boomers that 70% say that you should attend worship services not out of a sense of duty, but only if it meets your needs. Only if it meets your needs should you go worship. So if you get up in the morning and you think, I have a greater need to sleep than I do to worship, by all means, coddle your needs. 80% 80% say they can be good Christians without attending a worship service corporately. Do you believe that? Because I know the argument. Pastor, I don't need to go to church to be a good Christian. Isn't that the argument? I don't need to gather with God's people and worship Him to be a good Christian. God says, I've designated a place For I will meet with you in a special way. You ought to want to be there. You ought to want to be a part of that. And gather and meet with Him. I have far too much more to say. (laughs) And not enough time. So let me just finish this up with this thought. And then... I may take the afternoon. If you all promise you'll be here this afternoon, I will. T- otherwise I'm going to keep you here for another hour. No, I'm not going to do that. But let me just wrap this portion up, and we'll come back and finish this point, and the other two are, are shorter, with, again, turning you back over to John chapter 4 when it comes to the worship of God and the direction that we receive from God John chapter 4 and verse 24, those who worship must worship Him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? That means our worship must come. When He says our worship is to be from the Spirit, I I believe He particularly has in mind from the inner part of man, from, from the heart of man, Our worship should be driven from the heart. It is something we love to do. Pastor MacArthur says this, It is not a matter of being at the right place at the right time with the right words and the right demeanor, in the right clothes, with the right formalities, and the right music and the right mood. Worship is not an external activity for which an environment must be created. It takes place on the inside, in the spirit. Right? I should not have to come and try to manipulate you to worship as you ought. And that happens, and, and I, I, I'm not going to say that they're always wrong, but you know I've been in places, especially recently while we were away, where you know, the pastor begins to close the message. And somebody gets on an instrument, begins to play softly, to try to create a right mood as the pastor is wrapping everything up so that you can respond in light of that setting. It's your heart that's important. Whether music's playing or not, it, it's the heart. It's the Spirit. Psalm 45 and verse 1, my heart overflows with a good theme. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. To be overflowing with the nearness of God. To be overflowing with with who God is ought to cause us to rise up and give Him praise. I have often said that our singing is just a wonderful way in which we can express to God how, how overflowing our hearts are with who He is. It's it's one way that we can express that. That's why I don't know why. Maybe it was me, but I, the singing this morning was, I was just I wanted to quit singing so I could listen. Right? Because I trust the people of God were so filled with who we were singing to and about that it just flowed out. And and, and even though I may sing like a a mule and it may sound, I still want to sing to the glory of God. I've heard some of you sing, all right. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's pretty, but man, if it's coming from the heart to glorify Him, what a wonderful thing. So worship Him in spirit and then worship Him in truth. Worship Him in truth. The Scriptures, and with this I'll close, but but the Scriptures ought to be that which directs us under what we bring into the worship service. I think, I think if you go to Sermon Audio and you look at this passage, there are many sermons that deal with what we call the regulative principle. You know what the regulative principle is? You bring nothing into worship that God hasn't directed us to bring into the worship. The scriptures tell us how he's to be worshipped. We're to sing, and we'll get into more of that this afternoon, but... Uh, you know we're to sing and and we're to pray and we're to give and 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 we are to hear his word and and that sort of thing that's what we're to bring into his worship. Those things that he finds acceptable is what he tells us ought to be a part of our worship we're to do nothing more and nothing less and nothing else. In acceptable worship, but that which God commands. Do you believe that? We're to do nothing else, nothing more, nothing less in acceptable worship, but that which God commands. So somebody comes in among us and says, Man, your worship service is so simple. You sing, you pray, you preach. I mean, Pastor, don't you have any other talents? I don't. (laughs) I can't be a mime. I'm not a clown. Not a singer. But even if I were, where do we get instructions in the Word of God to bring those things in among us? It's the proclamation of who God is and what His Word has to say. So so here are these three principles. Acceptable worship must be void of a compromise with the world. Acceptable worship must be focused on the proper object. Acceptable worship must not be about your personal likes. And we'll finish that up, God willing, I think this afternoon. But for those of you who won't be here, I'll just give you the last two points. and And, and you can take them. But the fourth point was... Acceptable worship must be marked by joy. It must be marked by joy. And then finally, acceptable worship must be determined by divine command. And those are much shorter points, but I've kept you long enough, and so we'll probably look at them in more detail this afternoon. May God help us to have acceptable worship. You know? I pray as you pray for me because the temptation is always great. Man, if we could just do this and do that, we could get a lot more people to come. You know, get a lot more people to come. I, I don't know how to get people to come if I could just do such and such and such and such and such. And, but God hasn't demanded that. And so pray that we will be a people who are determined to worship God as He has determined and that the worship of God would be a priority in our lives to the glory of our great God. Well, let's pray together. Father, again, we thank You for Your Word and the direction that we receive from Your Word. And, and we pray that, Father, our worship would be acceptable and pleasing Your sight. Help us always to worship Your right. May You be our focus. May, may our delight and, and our pleasure be found in You and in You alone. So, Father, come and 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 write these things. Brand them upon our hearts and minds so that we would not be tempted to follow after other gods or our own imaginations, but that You would come and meet with us as we gather to worship You. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Closing, take your hymns of grace and turn to 334, 334. We've sung this a couple times over the years, but... May not be one that you're familiar with. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. 334 in the Hymns of Grace. Let's stand together as we sing.